Hello, 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 and welcome to Fans Fix It, the streaming podcast where characters get to talk to their creators. It's a new technology. We're figuring it out. Today, we'll be talking about an angsty bit of storytelling that could probably qualify as an episode coda for Deep Space Nine Season 3's two-part premiere. Uh, reality, perception, and sense of self, and others are all aspects of this short story featuring Again, our favorite pairing, Dr. Bashir and Elam Garrick. It is called Lie to Me and was written by the inevitable Sayone. Now, angst in fandom and in general usually refers to stories that explore themes of the generalized dread and anxiety that's really common when you sort of contemplate the human condition, the world at large. Um, it pairs with a lot of other types of fan fiction, fluff, comfort, all sorts of stuff. And it's just never a bad idea to have some angst in your life, really. So speaking of exciting and interesting things, I would love to bring on Sarone. And we're going to bring you on and see if we can't get a feel for one of the characters we might be encountering today. So, are you here? Hello. <laughs> Hello, welcome, welcome. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so, first, a little bit of background. Um, how long have you been writing fan fiction in general? And how, ma- how long have you been writing fan fiction for the Deep Space Nine fandom specifically? I've been writing fan fiction since 2012, uh, when I started writing for Once Upon a Time fandom for the TV show, and I wrote that for a while, um, and then I wrote a bit for Harry Potter, but I never published that because I'm a megalomaniac who wrote a lot of things for one specific story, but it was never done, so we never saw the light of day, and I drew a lot for that and composed and stuff um and deep space nine i got into that in september 2019 after re-watching deep space nine with my husband all of it uh i've seen some of it as a kid but i haven't really had a good picture of it all since i was too young when i saw it for the first time and and it was very fragmented but now, when I saw it again, I was like, I see a very good couple dynamic here. I got to explore that. So I started writing. Fantastic. Did you do a lot of writing before entering fandom and fan fiction? Or did you, was fan fiction sort of your jumping off point into, into writing? No, I, I've been writing before that. I had a lot of original stories. I mean, in school we had, um, in the Croatian literature class, you had mandatory essays to write. And we had pretty good teachers who would let us, they would give us a theme and let us write sometimes whatever we wanted. So it could be a very, it was a very creative experience. So I wrote a lot of things. I wrote (laughs) I have several unfinished novels in my hard drive forever languishing because I gave up on them after a while. 
some were most of them were fantasy um one of them is like about anthropomorphic dragons one of them is a vampire novel one of them is um uh set in the forgotten realms and it deals with uh the the dark elves so i have a lot of I was writing fan fiction before I knew what fan fiction was, you could say. So I would take a setting, that a pre-existing setting, and just like make a story within the confines of an already existing world because I found that easier than creating an an entire world by myself. Fantastic. That's awesome. Well. Looks like yes. So we entered the parameters for lie to me into the character development machine before the show started, right? And it looks like it's fully charged, and I believe yeah, we are going to get to speak to your iteration of Garrick today. So. Let's bring in Garrick. I suppose this pattern I was drafting will have to wait, but I do enjoy a good conversation. If you'll indulge me, I have what may be a somewhat unusual request. You see, Cardassian literature requires one to understand the ending of the story before they begin reading it, in order to glean the lesson inside. I must say I did not anticipate the twist at the end of this piece. I wonder if it was as much a surprise to you as it was to Dr. Bashir and myself. You just couldn't help yourself, could you? <laughs> well, I hope the kiss was to your liking. And the twist, no, it wasn't that surprising to me because it's always been very obvious that Julian trusts you and that he would come to you for comfort. Now, seeing you dying in the simulation may have prompted him to finally take that step forward, but I don't feel complaining. Well, beginning with the ending is a hallmark of Cardassian literature, madam. I was simply approaching this story as if it were written by one of the Cardassian masters, which I hope you'll consider the highest praise. Now, having read the entire thing, I'm able to reflect back in order to get a better understanding of Dr. Bashir's perspective and thought process. I've always found him to be enjoyable company. He has a sharp wit and no fear of discussing a variety of topics at length, traits Cardassians typically encourage. But I confess I hadn't realized he experienced his surroundings any differently than other humans. Perhaps you can give me further insight. I believe I can. Um... Judging by his lack of social graces, um, his occasional insensitivity and hyper-focus on topics that are of extreme interest to him but are of limited or no interest at all to the people around him, he'd always come across as autistic to me. Um, individuals on the autistic spectrum vary a lot in the manifestation of their symptoms, but there's always a certain difficulty in communication with other humans. Likewise, uh, this is usually accompanied by several other kinds of repetitive behaviors, either in posture or gesture, 
and a sensitivity or a difficulty processing outside stimuli such as um, very bright lights or loud unexpected noises or even uh, texture of clothing or texture of food. Um, similarly, some autistic individuals also um, prefer to be set in their routines and respond poorly to changes in schedule. Um, the most notable among all the things, however, is the pronounced difficulty in forming friendships and relationships and man maintaining them. Um, Julian has always found that hard. I mean, you saw how hard it was for him to befriend Miles, and he was trying for years before he finally succeeded. Um, the reason why he has no such difficulty interacting with you is because you meet him on his terms. You happily listen to his fascinations and you give him a platform that suits you both, literary discussions. You don't reprimand him for his missteps, so he feels comfortable to be his bubbly self around you. Thank you for your explanation. He's a charming young man. I can't say it was any lack of mental discipline on the good doctor's part. We too experience memory as sensory-based and extremely associative. Is it our similarities or our differences that compel you to explore our relationship? I would say that it's definitely the similarities um, because despite having vastly differing political opinions, you were both molded by the hubris and ambition of cold fathers who dangle their acceptance or affection before you while withholding it, withholding it deliberately. Um, likewise, you're both idealists uh, representing the best your respective states have to offer, even when those same states fail to uphold their own ideals. Um, and lastly, you have common interests, which is always important in a relationship. Hmm. I guess I suppose our fathers molded us in similar ways. We try not to get into it. So this scene is set prior to Dr. Bashir's genetic background becoming public knowledge, but of course it's still an important facet of his personality. I admit I was aware of his augmentation before the fact came to light but I was not aware of it at the time of our first meeting, I assure you. It had no bearing on my decision to approach him. I'd like to know if you wrote about this before you personally were aware of his history. How did that change your view of him and his role in your stories? Well, since I hadn't started writing until about two months after I've watched the entirety of Deep Space Nine back in 2019, I've actually known the entirety of his story before committing anything to the page. Um, I must confess that Julian's mind is a source of fascination and I never tire analyzing him. He's just a very complex and multifaceted individual. I most definitely agree. I hope to spend many years to come analyzing that vibrant mind of his. In conclusion, I understand you've written an exceptional repetitive epic or a novel as I believe the human genre is known. I would like to know if this was a 
a process of self-discovery for you, as such things often are for Cardassians. Most of our authors are not so bold as to admit it, but writing can be a deeply personal revealing act. Illuminate me. Well, I couldn't bear to see such a magnificent love story end with a bittersweet separation like it did in the show. So I, I sought out more about the world and I read Andrew Robinson's wonderful novel, A Stitch in Time, and I realized I had to write a world where Julian responded to your heartfelt letter and took your invitation to come to Cardassia. The impulse to write was not entirely new to me, as I've written other works before, but as always, the scope of the large world I imagined exceeded my ability and my motivation. Um, so this time, though, I was extremely motivated to actually finish something because it mattered to me. It was a passion project for me. Um, the words just flowed out of me. I'd never <laughs> been so productive in my life about anything before. And I realized halfway through writing Julian as autistic, I realized why it was so easy to write him as autistic, why it came so easy to me. I realized, oh wait, I'm autistic too. So I just started writing a world where Julian, you and your beloved Cardassia could grow and heal change for the better, choose to be better. Such a healing journey, even though it was intended for the characters, it spilled over into the real world as well. I was creative again after years of being just blocked and, and having deep depression. I just couldn't write, couldn't create. And then suddenly, it's it was as if floodgates had been opened and I just started writing again, composing again. So I wrote Under the Blind Moon, 230,000 words of long novel, and I composed a soundtrack for it. And I dared put it out for the world to see because I had been writing without showing anyone for a long time. I hadn't posted any fan fiction online since 2012, so it was a long hiatus. And suddenly I realized I was not alone in my interests. There was this whole thriving community of fan fiction authors who loved the same thing I did, who felt passionate about the same things I did. I was no longer isolated. And yeah, it changed me. And I also got the chance, the unique privilege, I would say, to meet both uh, Alexander Siddig and Andrew Robinson on Zoom meetings. And I got to tell Mr. Robinson that his work on the show and on his book, A Stitch in Time, saved me from a very dark place. 
And I told him I had written it as a love letter to his love letter and asked him whether he would accept my gift. And, and he did. So uh, I dedicated Under the Blind Moon to him. Uh, not much later, I also got to act with him in uh, Little Achievements by Almasi. So even though this has been a really wild time in everybody's lives, I got to have many of my dreams come true. So yeah, and the blind moon is what started this whole journey for me. So yeah. It's magnificent. Thank you. Thank you. I do hate to interrupt, but this is a temporary situation. Mr. Garrick, I believe your time with us is coming to an end. Do you have any closing comments or questions for your author? Mm, I'd like to thank you for opening up to me. It isn't easy to do, or is it? This has been a most enjoyable lunch, Sayami. I will look forward to appearing in your stories again. Thank you, and I will keep writing them. Well, with that, we say goodbye to Mr. Garrick and also to you, Sayoni. Thank you so much for volunteering to speak with one of your own characters. I know it's kind of an odd thing, but exciting. It's <laughs> definitely exciting. We so appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. <laughs> and that concludes our episode. Thank you so much for listening to Fans Fix It. We will be back next time to give yet another author another chance to talk to another version of one of our beloved characters from fan fiction. Um, if you would like to read more of Sione's work, you can find them on Archive of Our Own, S-Y-A-U-N-E-I. Uh, we also have links in the description to their work and our social media. Please like and subscribe if you would like more episodes. And you can find us on Twitter at FansFixIt, F-A-N-S-F-I-C-S-I-T on Anchor on YouTube. And we will see you around the internet. <laughs>